The work you do for your clients feels fulfilling and impactful, but running a business? That feels hard. You're not only in charge of your client work, you're also head of marketing, management, admin, client satisfaction, systems and processes. Yeah, it can feel overwhelming. That's where this podcast comes in. You're listening to The Simple Business Show with me, Nisha Woolery. Each week, we'll discuss simple ways to start, market, and organize your service-based business. My mission? To teach solopreneurs how to simplify their business so they can earn more money by doing less stuff. Let's dive in. So today I'm chatting with Taurus Grantham, who is a confidence coach and also offers podcast editing services through her other business, Podcastology. Taurus is also a student in my course and a real life uh, friend of mine. We've met, we met a few years ago, right? Through mm-hmm. um, yeah, a friend, Maggie. Yeah, we met mm-hmm. in London. And I actually interviewed Maggie in episode 12, I think it was. So we were all in the same mastermind together for a while. So I know firsthand that Taurus is such a treasure trove of great advice, especially when it comes to all things confidence and podcasts and video. So welcome to the show, Taurus. Thank you. You're making me blush. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know your stuff. Like, I'm pretty sure you've worked on the set of Doctor Who and stuff like that, right? Yes. Yeah, that's, that's so where cool. I actually, that's, that was kind of why I started in the, the video side and the audio side of things was because I literally had to sit down and think, what do I bring to the table? Well, about 10 years worth of professional television broadcasting probably should go on the list somewhere. So yeah, that's where it all came from, really. Yeah, you're like no stranger to all things video. So I mean, share a bit more about how that all began for you um, in the video and podcasting side, and then also how you've decided to become a confidence coach. Yeah, so I, like I said, I worked in television for a number of years. I moved to Cardiff, I think it was 2006, to work with the BBC. We made all the behind the scenes programming for Doctor Who and Torchwood and Merlin and Being Human. And I did that for, I think it was like four and a half, maybe five years and then burned out spectacularly like seriously I, I killed over sideways and I quit television in a rather dramatic and um, petulant kind of way as a result because I just I couldn't cope with the the stress levels because as much as tv looks very glamorous it's actually very very stressful and it's very long hours and it can be you know you'd start at nine in the morning go till two o'clock in the morning and you'd do that through transmission which would be 13 weeks six days a week so I kind of burned out. But the problem, <laughs> the problem with deciding to get a proper job, I say with, uh, with the air quotes there, is that nobody will hire you if you have television on your CV because they think that you're going to get bored and it's not glamorous enough and that you'll leave. So nobody really wants to give you a, a, a chance. So I ended up hiring myself as a content writer because um, that's actually my superpower is, is writing. And I did that for about a year, managed to support myself. But it was, it was, I'd say, like late 2010, early 2011, when keyword stuffing was still very much the thing to do. So it was like 500 words on garden sheds and 500 words on, on washing machines. So it wasn't particularly great. 
And I was desperately trying to find something that I could do that I felt that I would be competent in. And to be honest, video and audio didn't make it on the list because I was terrified of going on camera and I was terrified of being on the microphone. So I didn't even think about it. I was just trying all these different things like web design and VAing and things. But I was also in Facebook groups answering everybody's questions on video and audio because I knew the answers. Still didn't occur to me to do (laughs) business in video and audio until people started asking me to help them with things. So that was really where that all started. And I did that for a number of years. I took a break. um, I think it was the last year. I've taken quite a break away from my personal brand um, to focus on the podcastology side of things and the just the audio uh, and podcasting services. Because what I was finding, particularly around the video side of things, is that I was being asked more often about the equipment, which I believe is the least important part of your video, and wasn't being able to focus on what I think is the most important part, which is you and your personality and how you are showing up. So I wanted to take some time out to focus on my love of podcasts and keep money coming in and start this business and be able to help women raise their voices, get their message out there, but give me an opportunity to sort of regroup and refocus. And that's where the confidence side of things really comes in is that's what's, that's what really interests me is how, how to help people who were like me, who were absolutely terrified. Like I couldn't even press record on the camera. I couldn't even stand in front of the camera. It was, (laughs) it was terrible. So I, I really wanted to figure out a way that I could um, help people like me to become the leader of their business, you know, and be visible because I found that I was hiding everything about myself in an effort to not quite fit in. I, that's not quite the right word, but just to, you know, do the the most I could at that time, which wasn't enough to make my my business successful. So Yeah, I want to help people with that side of things. I love that. I love that you have a very clear mission in regards to who you help. Because like I noticed on your on Podcastology's um, Instagram, you've got that it's by women for women. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. so powerful because I do think that, I mean, maybe, I mean, I'm sure men have this problem as well, but I've noticed it particularly with women is there are Mm -hmm. so many that I talk to who really just don't feel like they look good enough for video or they sound good enough. They just have low self-esteem when it comes to what other people are going to think of them when they see videos of them and different things like this. There's a lot of mindset things that go into someone avoiding video, avoiding audio and just avoiding showing up and being visible Mm -hmm in the online space so I think that's it's a really important thing that you've decided to do with your business to help women with this because I do think that it is such a such a big issue for so many of us yeah and I think as well what you find is that there are things that people aren't doing like course for example because video would be involved in that that sort of medium that sort of content so there are things that they're not doing for their business because of this fear of being seen and being judged um, and having any kind of negative feedback sent their way as well. So it kind of goes beyond just video marketing. 
into various other areas of their business as well which yeah and that's a real shame because what people do is really important you could change the world with your business but only if you actually show up for it so yeah oh that's that's such a good point I think as well, like as women, we have we are taught from birth that how we look it has value when actually it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't at all. What we are, who we are has value, not how we look. So it's no wonder that women in particular struggle with this side of things because we are literally taught from day one that if we don't meet society's standards, then there's something wrong with us. Yes. And it's impossible to meet society's standards. It is absolutely impossible. And I think as well, you know, when you look at what you what you do as a business, there are plenty of other people out there who do the same thing. And they probably do it in much the same way and for much the same price. There are going to be tens, if not hundreds of other people who do what you do. What differentiates you is you. That's it. Yeah. That's the differentiating factor. So if you're not leaning into who you are and your personality and sharing that, then there's nothing that helps you stand out from anybody else. So Ooh, yes. to me, it's like you've really got to lean into that in order to stand out in, in a what could be quite a crowded marketplace as well. So there's lots of different things that sort of go into the, the confidence side of things. Yeah, and and the reasons for getting on video and and including it in your marketing strategy. Because I always say to um, to business owners who are hesitant about it, you know, if someone is looking at two people who sell the exact same service, but one of them shows up on video and they create video content and they show themselves, they show their personality, they show that they know what they are talking about and they're confident mm-hmm. in their abilities. And the other one hides behind their logo. You may both have the same price points and you may both have the same level of experience, but the person that most clients are going to gravitate towards is that person who shows up and is visible on video purely and simply because they can like trust that person more. Mm-hmm. They can also have that emotional connection to that person. Whereas the person who never really shows themselves and just kind of hides behind their work. It's not, it doesn't build as much of a connection, I don't think, between you and your clients. No, I agree. Yeah, no, completely agree. And when you think about why your audience is your audience, again, it's because of you. That's the reason they're yours and not the other person that does what you do. It's because of how you are explaining things. It's because of your viewpoint, which you have which is unique to you because of the way that you've gone through the world and the experiences that you've had. So again, it comes down to you and your personality and how you communicate with others that draws people in. And if you're not sharing that, then you're not drawing people in. (laughs) Quite frankly, at the end of the day, you're, you're, you're hamstringing yourself with this because yeah, you're going to get some traction but not the kind of, of results that you could get if you were actually putting yourself out there. Um, and, and when I say putting yourself out there, I don't mean just like share everything, just jump on camera and dance around. You know, you can do it in a way that feels authentic and true to who you are. It doesn't have to be the same way that everybody else does it either. And that's one of the things that I'm, I'm really passionate about getting women to understand is it's, again, it's individual how you show up is individual to you because you are an individual. So figure yeah. figure that out and then 
inhabit that sort of little space that you've created for yourself but do it as fully in that space as you possibly can yeah just be be yourself and be Mm. authentic on video because I do find that um you know with things like TikTok and Reels have become very popular recently Mm -hmm. and I have found that some people shy away from them because they think they have to do them in a certain way, the same way that everybody else is doing them. Like I've heard business owners say, I don't want to dance on camera or I don't want to lip sync to something. But that mm-hmm. doesn't, you don't have to do that if you don't want to. I've it's not like a part so... of a contract. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Must. <laughs> you must. When exactly. you start up this platform, you must prance around like a complete idiot and sing and dance and enjoy it that is what you must do when you use that platform no you can use it any way you like (laughs) exactly like you can do whatever you want you don't have to sing you don't have to dance you don't have Mm. to like point at things on the screen there are so many different ways that people can use video to just authentically be themselves I've even seen and I mentioned it in um, a different podcast episode that I recorded a few days ago but I've seen like mental health professionals for instance who don't like sing and dance on a TikTok. They literally have like a serious song on and they are just like pointing to things. Like it doesn't have to be this big sing and dance. No, no. And I I think as well, like if you can come up with a way that works for you, because don't forget as well, like how you're showing up needs to be on brand as well. So it needs to feel like somebody can watch a piece of content, like video content, and they go to your website and feel like it's the same person so if your brand is quite serious you don't really want to be doing all the crazy singing and dancing because then that's a disconnect between who you are as a brand and how you're showing up on camera so there needs to be that sort of thought underlying everything as well which may actually be a comfort because it means then you you know if you've built this brand how how does that feel and how does that translate to feeling on camera you know it's it's quite a good excuse then not to have to dance and sing if you don't want to because you can be like oh my brand says no yeah it's not on brand so exactly (laughs) so have you um before we like get more into talking about video and all of that good stuff let's talk about confidence because I feel like to me you seem like a very like quietly confident self-assured woman have you always sort of been that way you kind of seem like the, the type of person who just doesn't care what other people think in a good way like is that always what you've been like oh god no <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not no um I think in certain situations I've always had a, a, a kind of confidence so competency and confidence are two very different things but competency really helps with feeling competent confident So in areas where I know that I am competent, I am very confident. But in areas where it means talking to people, no, no, not so much. So I am incredibly introverted. I am an INFJ, I think it is. So I do not do well around people normally. I like (laughs) one-on-one, right? Um, I'm good with one-on-one, but in large groups of people. So like when we met that time in London, I was terrified and I'd, got on a train (laughs) I'd got on a train I think it was like a two and a half hour journey from Cardiff to London and I'd spent the entire time just being like wobbly and being oh god oh god oh god oh god I'm gonna have to be around all these people and I don't know them and I knew Maggie and I knew Maria Innes but I'd never met 
either of them in person. So, and I knew there was going to be more people and I knew that you were going to be there. And I was excited because I knew of you, but had never met you. And, you know, there was a number of other people like that. And it just became this huge thing for two and a half hours where I'm stuck on this train and I can't, you know, so I still have these situations where confidence is a real problem for me. But what I've learned over the years is how to kind of, it's not quite put it aside, but just focus instead on who am I talking to? How can I get the most out of this conversation for both of us? What questions can I ask that's going to help this person feel comfortable and share a little bit more of who they are? And that gives me an opportunity to do the same thing. Just how can I build that sort of rapport between the two of us? So you're taking the focus away from you and what you look like and what you sound like and what you feel like and are you making an idiot of yourself and does this person think that you're a complete nutter and all these other things and you're putting it onto the other person instead which then helps to just take the fear kind of out of the equation because the problem is if you stay in your fear brain there's no capability for processing so you can't because your brain shuts down it's your nervous system taking over when you go into fear so you can't interact with people in a way that's actually meaningful because your brain's too busy going get out 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 so you need to figure out a way to just switch that off and focusing on something else is a good way of just learning to do that it will still take practice but it's it's what I've figured out to to get me out of that oh god get me out of here please into what what am I here for like you know in, in a networking event for example I'm there for a reason and it's to meet people and and have those connections it's not so that everybody there likes me that's not a goal that's not a realistic goal let's be real Mm -hmm. because nobody is under any obligation to like you (laughs) and you have no control over whether or not anybody likes you I can influence how people feel about me through the way that I show up through my body language through how I use my voice all that kind of stuff, but I can't control the actual outcome. So it's not even a goal for me to go into a situation and think, I want everybody to like me because it's never going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just sort of figuring out these little tricks of take it away from you, control what you can control, which isn't very much, and just see what happens. The The curiosity, I think that's one of the good things that I bring to the table. Like I'm a very curious person. I'm a very nosy, let's be real. I'm a very nosy person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that person that's looking in your front windows as I walk past the street. That's me. Um, <laughs> I'm that person that's like cringing, like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I am, when I'm in the house and someone does it to me, I'm like, oh God, quick duck, hi. Um, <laughs> But I I am very nosy about like people. I like understanding why people do the things that they do and what what those decisions were that that what was what was behind that decision, you know. So that curate sense of curiosity that I bring, I I work very hard on bringing it to everything, particularly the times where I'm feeling anxious and scared, because otherwise you're reacting to what's in your head rather than what's actually happening around you, and those can be two very different situations which then means if you're reacting to your head, you're overreacting in a way that's incredibly negative more often than not to a situation that isn't even happening, but you think it is. So yeah, curiosity has been a a real guiding star for me, really. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's that's such a good point. Like it does pay off to be to be a curious person. I think if you can tap into that, then like you said, it pulls you out of that fear zone and helps mm-hmm. you to focus on the bigger picture and what exactly you're there for and on what you can learn from the other people that are in the room. Um absolutely because I'm like you, I I'm definitely introverted. Um although I get many people have make the presumption that I'm extroverted which always makes me smile because I think where did that come from like how did you (laughs) how did you decide that about me like literally it blows my mind but then I think about it and I just think back in years past when I was a lot younger or maybe even 21-ish I was so shy like I was such a shy person and I just did not like being around other people very much. And I was terrible in conversations. And I, I, I often think yeah. that I came across as rude. Mm-hmm. And I still sometimes do if I'm in that zone, to be honest. Because I think like, you know, dodging out on the social side of things and like forgetting to say yes to party invites and things like this. I think I did come across as a bit rude. But I started to um, travel more and particularly when I went to Central America, I was just like out all the time. There wasn't a single night where somebody wasn't like, oh, come out with me, come have a drink with me, walk at the beach with me. And so I just kind of learned to be around people a lot more. And I think that that has really helped me is just putting myself out there to just be with people, listen to what they have to say. And just the more that I've been around people, the more comfortable I've been, I think. Yeah, yeah. Same situation for me. I I used to, when I was at college, I couldn't walk into the pub by myself to go and meet friends. If I could get them to come to the flat and meet me there and walk with me to the pub, I'd be really happy. Failing that, I'd have to get them to come out of the pub and meet me. If I had to go into the pub by myself to meet them, more often than not, I'd just go home because I couldn't I couldn't do it and I did the same thing I went to Australia and New Zealand for two years by myself so I had to learn how to interact with other people because there was nobody else there and that's really where things changed for me is I learned how to make conversations but I also learned how to be comfortable in my own company out so now I can go into a bar by myself and not meet anybody at all and just have a drink and I can go to the cinema by myself and and have a good time you know I don't I don't worry about those things anymore because that that experience helped me help me understand as well that nobody actually cares nobody sits there thinking oh god Billy no mates they they might clock you coming in sitting by yourself and go okay and if they're thinking anything normally what it is is my god that person is so brave I really wish I could do that too not anything negative about you just oh my god you're here by yourself look at the look at the memories on that woman she is sitting here by herself (laughs) having a drink in a bar doesn't care I wish I could do that too because I know that when I saw people like that pre me being that that's exactly what I thought I wish I could be just like you it was never negative but we get so caught up in these stories that we tell ourselves that we we don't realize that actually if you put yourself into the, the shoes of that person you think is judging you would you actually be judging you? No, probably not. Yeah, I love, I absolutely love that point because I felt the same way. I used to not be able to go into a coffee shop alone. 
and I would always have to have a friend with me I don't know why but I just really needed that other person there and if I was alone I felt like everyone's eyes were on me even though they weren't they didn't care that I was in the coffee shop um but that's what it feels like especially Mm -hmm. um for anyone who's listening who maybe has something like social anxiety or just like anything like that it can feel like the world is going to end if you go to the pub or the coffee shop alone it really does and then like yeah and then like you um particularly solo travel Bali was my first trip solo and I was so nervous when I got on the plane I remember being so nervous I was thinking what am I doing traveling alone I'm gonna have to go to all these places on my own and everyone's gonna stare and everyone's gonna feel sorry for me because I'm not there with a friend and it was the complete opposite from the moment that I got on that plane and sat next to the person next to me. We struck up a conversation. And it was like from that moment, it gave me the confidence to think, I can have a conversation with anyone. And there is connection all around us. Like we're never truly alone because there are so many other people around us. The connection is always available to us if we just make the move. And just like go up to somebody. And so on that trip, I really, really learned that lesson that I could just go and talk to anybody and nobody really minds and nobody is really thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. Yeah. And I think if people do come across as short, it's usually because, oh God, they've got somewhere they need to be and they don't actually have time to stop and talk to you. And it's nothing to do with you. It's just, they haven't, they can't, they can't do that in that moment in time. You know, it's, but again, we we take that in as, well, I obviously did something wrong. It's like, no, maybe they just, they were 10 minutes late for picking their kid up. The school are called because they were sat outside by themselves and everybody else has gone home. Like you've forgotten your child, yeah. come pick come pick it up. And, and that's nothing to do with you. But we are not actually the centre of everybody else's universe. We are the centre of our own and that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I think any introvert that is listening to this right now who feels anxious, socially anxious to go to networking events when a pandemic is not stopping us all from going to networking <laughs> events, or if you're feeling you know, nervous to um, do podcast interviews like this or do video marketing, all of these different things that's involved with being a business owner, I think hopefully this part of this episode will just encourage you to know that even if you feel like it's impossible to overcome that nervousness, there are two introverts sat right here having a conversation on this podcast who have overcome that. So if we can do it, I'm pretty sure you can as well. Exactly. Yeah. Introversion is not an excuse not to. No, absolutely not. So um, what would you say are your top five tips for introverts when it comes to getting started with video marketing? Okay, so I'm going to say number one is to sort of flip the script around the introversion a little bit and just think about the fact that video offers you an opportunity to stand in a room by yourself, talk to yourself and still reach many, 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 many people. But you don't actually have to be physically in front of them or talk to them, (laughs) which I don't know about anybody else. But as an introvert, I'm just like, that is just perfect. That is great for me. I can have a conversation with myself and then share it with other people and it helps my business, that's awesome. So that's my first tip is flip the script on it and actually think about it 
there is no better way of communicating as an introvert than doing video <laughs> to my mind <laughs> absolutely the other one the, the, my next tip is you are entitled to having a private learning curve you don't have to jump on camera and put that first video that you ever make out on the internet for everybody to see because it's going to be rubbish because you don't know what you're doing so the first time you do anything it's probably going to be rubbish right you have a learning curve involved in anything and video is no different so don't put that pressure on yourself to make it perfect in fact i would say do your best to to screw it up make as many mistakes as you possibly can get it out of the way learn how to make a mistake and carry on you will need to watch these videos that you're making back so that you can learn from them that's actually the most difficult part I was going to say videos. <laughs> I was going to say what about all the people who are listening to that point and thinking to themselves I don't want to watch myself on video <laughs> yeah unfortunately you're going to have to at some point because that's actually the key to getting over it the problem with confidence is the only way to become confident and get past fear is through action that's that's mm-hmm. literally the only way you can do it so you are at some point you are going to have to take action and you can start making videos and you can not watch them back and you can still learn because you will be figuring things out as you're going along but the real learning comes from learning to watch yourself back so i would say start with just making videos that you don't have to watch back just get used to that process but at some point you are going to have to start watching them back to learn because part of video making is communication and if you are doing things that hinders that communication and that connection you're never going to learn to stop doing those things basically Mm -hmm. Um, the only way to do that is to watch but what I would say and this is tip number three is that you can start pre-turning the camera on so if you're like me and you can't actually set the camera up and get in front of it in the first place then the action you need to take is in your head So what I want you to do is to start pretending that you are going on camera. I want you to picture it in your head like it's a video that you're watching of yourself, like it's a film. That you're going on camera, you're amazing at it, and you're funny, and you are just spilling the tea all over the place. Like you're just dropping that mic, and you are just really killing it on camera. You're really good. Because what happens is your brain can't tell the difference between you picturing something and you experiencing something. So if you are re- become really good at visualizing doing a particular thing that you're afraid of and doing it well, your brain thinks you've already done it. Oh my that goodness, fear, I got this point. <laughs> right? So your fear starts to go away because in your head, you've already done it and you've succeeded. So you just need to spend some time practicing being on camera. And what I used to do is I would set my phone up on its little tripod next to me on the work surface whilst I was doing the washing up I wouldn't press record I'd just have it pointing at me because that was part of what was uncomfortable for me was having this thing looking at me so I'd get used to this thing looking at me and I'd do that I'd have like I'd be watching Netflix and I'd have it set up pointing at me like it wouldn't be recording just getting used to it and then I would get used to it pointing at me whilst I was delivering content and I'd be washing up and I'd be delivering content to my my phone that's off (laughs) but in my head I'm picturing it as this video is going on and if you're smart actually what you'll do in that situation is record your audio because you'll find that you're coming out with a load of stuff that you've never thought of that's pure gold 
but you won't remember it because you're in that moment of just talking. Um, so it gives you an opportunity to go back and be like, oh, God, I know that I said something amazing here. Let me re-listen to it, which, again, helps you get used to the sound of your own voice as well. So just taking the time to do as much in your head before you're actually pressing record is going to really help you take that step to press record. And then once you've taken that step, going back to the, the previous tip, then start making videos for yourself that you are putting together as if you were going to put them out. So you learn, so you learn to edit, you learn lighting, you learn how to frame yourself on camera, all that kind of stuff. But you don't have to put those videos out. You can use those as your learning curve. So that's three. Was that I mean, four? I think, <laughs> I think it was three. I think it was three. <laughs> okay, so four. The reason why you have to get used to watching yourself back so that you can adjust how you're showing up is because when you are on camera and you are trying to sell somebody on something, which isn't necessarily a product or service, it can just be a concept or an idea. So right now I am selling you on the idea of video marketing. When you're doing something like that, there are three different ways that we communicate visually, verbally, and vocally. And all three of those things need to be in alignment when you're on camera selling, because if they're not, what people take away is not the words that you're saying. Okay, so visual communication is your body language. Verbal communication is the words you're saying. Vocal communication is how you're using your voice. If at any point, one or more of those is not in alignment with the others, what people take away is 70% of the message comes from your body language. Okay, so that's actually what they're paying attention to. 20% is how you're using your voice. And only 10% is the words that you're saying. So if at any point any of those three things are out of alignment, people are listening to how you're saying something, not what you're saying. If you're nervous, how you're saying something is I'm nervous, not, hey, I've got this great idea that I want you to buy into. So people then automatically go, well, you're either lying, you don't believe yourself, so why should I? You don't know what you're talking about, so you're nervous. And they come out away with a completely different takeaway from what you were hoping. Yeah. So that's why you need to watch yourself back is to identify those things where one of those three communication methods are not matching the others. So you can fix it. Yes. Oh, I love this point because yes, definitely. Just wanted to quickly pause this episode to let you know about a free starter kit I have just for you. It's called the Starter Kit for Booking Consistent Clients. And inside, you'll learn the top 12 reasons why most creatives and solopreneurs are not booking clients consistently. And you'll also see four simple methods to change that. Yes, you heard right, not 20 methods and no complicated strategies, just four simple, timeless methods I've used to book more clients and make more course sales. These are the four marketing pillars you must have in your business if you want to bring in sales consistently. Head to nishawoolery.com slash starter kit to download yours today. I do think that if you sound nervous and jittery and scared, it really does impact sales. Like I can remember um, years ago, I did a joint 
webinar with someone who was incredibly, incredibly nervous. And um, she was, she's brilliant and she really knows her stuff and her content was amazing. Her product is fantastic, but it did the lowest in sales that I think either of us have seen on a webinar before. And we both had a conversation about it afterwards and, and it came down to what we thought might be just how nervous she sounded um, because then it came across just as very unconfident, I think. And when when people and clients and customers believe that you are not confident in what you sell, be that a service or a product, then why should they be confident in that product or service either? And why should they be confident in the results that you say that you can get them when you are not confident in those results either? And so I think like you can be confident in those results and in your service or product and not sound it. But mm-hmm. if that's the case, then you probably need to work on, you know, making sure that you sound more confident, that you speak with confidence. Do you have yeah. like any, for the, for your like final tip, do you have any um, advice on how people can sound more confident if they just don't feel like they do? I've got a really good one for you. So first of all, you need to identify what confident actually looks like for you because it is different in other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... So you know how when you're really excited, your body does things and your voice does things automatically because the emotion makes you do things. So for me, my shoulders go up around my ears and I start, I'm, I'm basically a toddler in an adult woman's body. So I start jumping up and down and flailing and I get really loud. Um, that's <laughs> excitement for me. So if I was to say to you, I'm excited, there's nothing about what I've just done that, that you, you're not going to believe me because I don't sound excited. Whereas if I say, I'm so excited, then you're going to kind of buy into the fact that I'm actually excited. So the emotion drives body. But this is where it's cool. Body drives emotion. So if you match what you would do when in that emotional space, you'll feel the emotion too. So I can, it's not quite fake because you do actually feel it. But if you go through the motions of that emotion, you will feel that emotion so if you identify what does your body do what does your voice do how does everything feel when you're confident mimic that when you need to be confident and the emotion will follow yeah I completely agree because it's like that that whole concept of um I've heard a lot of people say that if you feel down you're or you're having a low day if you smile more throughout the day, that tells your brain that you're happy and you actually start to feel happier just because of what your body is doing, literally with your lips. That, that's that's like one like brain hack that you have to feeling yeah. happier. So it does prove that, like you said, emotion can follow your body if you, yeah. if you really want it to. Yeah, but it, you have to be clear first on what does that look like in order to be able to trigger it so yeah yeah. what put yourself in front of a mirror and try and think back to the last time and and re-embody that and see what actually physically is happening with your body and your voice yeah such great tips this is such a juicy episode like I'm so so happy that like we had this conversation do you have any advice for anyone who's listening who is not confident in how they look or sound on video because I think this is a really big hang up 
for a lot of people, including myself at times, because most of the time I don't care too much about about it. But there are definitely times, particularly with video, when like literally two weeks ago, I recorded three videos and the lighting was so bad that I got all perfectionistic about it. And I was just like, I look awful in these videos. And I think as well, what had triggered me was um, I'd had a conversation with an ex who were just like on friendly terms with. And he had mentioned that he'd watched my YouTube videos. And all of a sudden, since that conversation, (laughs) it like sent me down this spiral of, oh my goodness, people that I know actually watch my videos or people that I don't know anymore, but are in my past can just Google me at any time and watch my video and see what I look and sound like and what I'm coming across like. So I really got into my head and I was just like, nope, these videos just aren't good enough. And I re-recorded my least favorite one and then kind of hated on myself for it afterwards because I was just like, Nisha Woolery, how, how could you... How could you have been this vain? Like, why why are you obsessing over this so much that you have gone and taken extra time out of this day that you don't have to re-record this video just because of what you look like? But anyway, that was a tangent. But um, do you have any <laughs> advice for anyone who is, you know, a bit worried about how they look or sound on video? Yeah, I'm going to address your tangent very quickly, though. Yeah. <laughs> so it is going to be something that's going to come back repeatedly. Be, it, it might look slightly different but it's going to come back repeatedly but now that you've you've seen it crop up once you can see the warning signs so decide now how are you going to knock yourself out of that spiral so that when it happens next time you've already got a plan of action mm. because that's going to be the best way to stop yourself from going into that negative spiral I've got to hit that perfectionism I've got to change things because perfectionism is really just fear in disguise. Yeah. Um, I think was it Elizabeth Gilbert said it was it's just fearing better shoes. It's not something that's actually going to help you. So if you can figure out a way to knock yourself out of that spiral before you really get into it by looking at those warning signs, then that's a really good way to go. But in the first instance, if you are worried about how you look and how you sound, there are things you can do with your voice that can mitigate how you sound. So, for example, there's nothing natural about my voice absolutely nothing. This is not the accent that I grew up with. This is not the pitch that my voice naturally sits at. I have lowered my voice and I have adjusted my accent. And I've done that to communicate better, which I did, gosh, late teens, early 20s. I'm not going to date myself. I'm not going to say how old (laughs) that was. (laughs) How long ago that was, but it was a long time ago. Pre-video as we know it. So, and I did that because I was not comfortable with how my voice sounded. I chose this accent because I knew it would open more doors for me than the regional Cockney accent that is local to where I grew up. Oh my Um, goodness, I love this point. (laughs) I did the same thing. Right? So, but it was also, it's it's easier for people to understand me with a generic English accent than it is to use regional accents that mean that people outside of that location are going to struggle to understand what you're talking about. Now, I'm not saying get rid of your accent entirely, because there are still things that I do that come across a little bit Hertfordshire. 
But again, you'd have to know the region to hear it. Whereas if you're American or French, you're going to be able to understand me, particularly the Europeans are going to understand me an awful lot easier than if I spoke with a strong regional accent. So that was a decision I made um, quite early on was the accent. And then lowering my voice came a little while later just because I'd heard myself back one too many times and could not stand the sound <laughs> of my own voice. So I changed it. So you can change things around your voice. When it comes to your face, you can't change it. Not unless you're going to go and have extensive plastic surgery. And really, that's just taking things a little bit too far. Right. So you can't change it. The only option you have is to accept it. So how do you accept it? Again, move that focus away from who, what you're feeling and thinking about being on camera and who you are, put it onto who you are serving. So again, when you watch a video of someone, are you thinking that person's darn attractive? I'm going to listen to everything they're saying because obviously they're so attractive, they must know what they're talking about. Like attractiveness and having value, like I said at the beginning, do not mean the same thing. So I watch videos and I don't even notice what the person looks like unless there's something about that that is to do with the video like if I'm watching a particular like a, a beauty blogger for example giving me some ex example of of makeup but they're doing it in a terrible way then of course I'm going to be looking at what they're doing and, and what that looks like on their face and saying no but that's pretty much the only time that how somebody is looking on camera matters for the rest of the time I'm like what is the question I have what is the answer I'm looking for? Am I getting that answer? Yes, wonderful. I'll watch more of your videos. If I don't get that answer, that's when I turn off the video. So again, just take yourself out of the equation, put it onto what value are you actually providing through your content, not your looks, and how best, what kind of experience can you give your viewers? But also, one thing you can do is you can look at your lighting. That's something yeah. that can help as well is you can adjust the lighting around you so that you're not accidentally making a feature stand out. So for example, I have a slightly big nose. It's not huge, <laughs> but it, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like, nobody else really notices. Like for you, I don't, I don't think. God, See, God, I don't notice it for you either. Exactly. Right. But for me and for you, we've got big noses. So we're quite conscious of the fact that we've got to us big noses yeah so I'm that was not the whole reason why I re-recorded that video I was just like <laughs> no I can't publish that my nose looks like a potato this is not gonna work for me <laughs> but you also said there was poor lighting so I'm gonna bet the yes. lighting was what caused your nose to look that way it's not really about your nose it's about how the lighting makes something look so just be aware of that and think do you know what I I'm not happy with how this is looking if I move some lights around or if I add some lights, and it doesn't have to be studio lighting, it can just be whatever lamps you've got in the house, just make sure you're using the same kind of bulbs so you don't get different colour temperatures of light. So some might be oranger, some might be bluer, depending on the colour temperature of the bulb. But as long as you're using the same sort of light, then you can, you can layer up as many lights, put your overhead light on, put loads of lamps all around you I really recommend Ikea have got um, a really good daylight balanced light bulb and it literally says on there that it's daylight balanced which is a blue kind of bulb which then means as well if you're filming with a window 
it's not going to mix those color temperatures between your lights and the sunlight because it's going to be along the same sort of color temperature scale. So play with lighting as well. But at the end of the day, there's nothing you can do about no. how you look, but also nobody cares. Yeah. Yeah. Just You're embrace what you look like. Yeah. yeah. And also I think that people don't necessarily relate to perfect looking mm. people. Absolutely. Like when I go on Instagram, like sure I'm sure I'm sure I follow influencers who look amazing, but I also follow a lot of people who just look like regular people. And I, it doesn't like affect how I see them. It doesn't affect how I view their content. Like it literally doesn't matter to me. And I, and I often feel more connected to someone or I feel like I have more, more in common with a business owner when they are just a normal person like me. And it also makes me feel more inspired by them because I often think not even just entrepreneurs, but people in who've just done incredible things with their life and they're just regular people, regular looking people. It inspires other regular people that they can be the same, achieve the same kind of level of things. Um, so yeah, so I would say that as well to everyone, like not nobody really wants to see a perfect looking person. Yeah, really good point. I think as well, the more perfect you are, the less human you feel. Yeah. That really does, like you were saying, that really does hinder that, that connection. And I think as well, you know, there's there's a bit of a of its own epidemic of women in particular looking like other women. Mm. Like there's a very, I don't know, you, you know what I mean? Like the same clothes, the same sort of hairstyle, the same makeup styles. And in real life, there are people who don't fit into those molds or people who don't want to fit into those molds. So I think we actually need more examples of people who don't look like everybody else showing up. So that other people who look like them have an example that they can follow. Yes. You know, it's, even, it's, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, go, go. No, I was just going to say, even when it comes to um, something like race or religion, um, mm. if you're like black or you're Muslim or something like this, I've had the amount of DMs that I've had from people of color who, who say to me, like, should I have should should I post a photo of myself on Instagram like should I keep using my logo as my um profile image or should I use one of me the reason I'm asking is because I don't think that many people will hire me if they realize that I am Muslim or if they realize that I'm brown or black or you know what I mean so Mm. um and what I say to that is just or like even I had someone when I was in New York who said to me do you use photos of yourself on your Facebook ads and I was like yeah I do sometimes why and she was just like do you not find that that impacts the clicks and the conversion rates and I just thought oh I've never even thought about that before but obviously to her it was something that she had noticed with herself and I just think to anyone who is listening who is thinking in those terms like oh I don't look like the majority of people in my country so like I don't know whether that's going to cause a disconnect for people I think that the right people just don't care like yeah like why would you want someone to work with you to hire you who I don't know is racist or doesn't like exactly Muslims or whatever it is like yeah. you wouldn't want that kind of person as part of your business and your brand anyway so 
I would say like, don't hide yourself away from video and photo and being visible in your business and your brand because you think that it's going to push people away because the only people that it pushes away is the wrong people and Mm. the right people will gravitate towards you regardless of what you look like because like Tor's already said, your value doesn't come from what you look like. It's coming from the content that you're actually creating and that's what the good people, the ideal clients are actually concerned about yeah and don't listen to anyone who tells you that you can't especially yourself because you're going to find that your own brain is probably the the loudest in telling you that you can't do this and it's not true it's not true at all you just have to take that first step and then the next step and the next step and if you're worried about negative feedback negative comments again put a plan in place that if someone says something about how I look this is how I'm going to react to it. Because at the end of the day, all that is, is somebody's opinion. That's not a truth. It's just somebody's opinion. And that is a two very different things. The truth and an opinion are not the same thing. So again, put a plan in place of how are you going to cope with this? So that, I think a lot of the time it's a shock because you know it's coming. It's going to come at some point. Somebody is going to say something stupid or horrible or just they're going to word it in a way that makes it unclear what they actually meant and you're going to take it badly because this is what happens. Yeah. So just figure all of that out as soon as possible. How are you going to cope with that? What will you do? So for me, it's like I do not respond immediately. I go away for at least an hour and depending on how upset I am for up to 24 hours so that I can calm down and take a step back and and actually realise Am I knee-jerk reacting to something that I've thought that they've said? Again, reacting to something in my head and not what's actually happening. And making sure that I am responding to what actually happened and deciding whether or not it even warrants a reaction because sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes yeah, I was gonna it's just say, better I just, to ignore it. Yeah, I was going to say, I think like I haven't really had like very many comment comments on videos and things like that that are negative but if they are like rude I just ignore it because I just think to myself is it worth my time and my energy probably not so there we go guys (laughs) just ignore them if you want to um block blocking is always fun as well oh yes definitely the block button is your friend exactly (laughs) Um, let's see. I think we did have a couple of questions that a few of my followers sent in on Instagram. So we've got Mm -hmm. the ivory roses who said, how do you do video marketing without oversharing? Okay. So first of all, um, there's a great quote by Cara Orwell-Labor, um, who is excellent, the champagne diet on Instagram, if you don't know her. And she says, share the breakthrough, not the breakdown. Again, two very different experiences for your audience. So don't ever share something as you're going through it. Share what you've learned after you've come out the other side of it. So that's the first thing. That's going to be a really good way of just oversharing, stopping that happening. But also decide what's off limits. There can be areas of your life that you don't share. You know, maybe you don't want to share your children. Maybe you don't want to share your relationship. Maybe you don't want to share your illness. You know, there could be anything that you decide is off limits. You don't have to share everything. 
And think about it from your audience's perspective. Like what is going to give them really good insights? So for me, I love breakfast food. I love high heels. I hate wearing high heels, but I love high heels. So I have a lot of them. I love my dog and I love learning languages. So at the moment I'm learning Italian because I'm going to be moving to Rome as soon as I'm allowed out of this country. Very jealous. (laughs) So, you know, these are things about me that I can share quite openly on social media that tell you a little bit about my personality. Um, I love swords. I own two swords. So again, just quickly as an aside, whilst that reminds me, if you sit there thinking, well, Tours, you sound quite normal. There's nothing weird about you. Of, of course, you can show up and share these things. I have a Roman Gladius short sword that I use to exercise with. Okay? <laughs> I love that. So if you're thinking that you're just too weird, nah, there are there are weird things about everybody. Um, so th- again, these are all things that I can share on social media that, that give you a little bit of an insight into who I am and my personality but don't actually tell you anything about where I live or or necessarily what my mindset is beyond what I decide I'm going to share with you so again you know just pick those sort of things that you're going to talk about and then stick to them and if you decide to change them at any point great but you don't have to you get to choose yeah I, I think that's such a, a valid point. You get to choose what you share and you get to have boundaries. We all get to have our personal boundaries. And I do think like in, in business, particularly the more and more you grow, um, the more followers you get on platforms like Instagram, you are going to have people who don't want to respect your boundaries, who DM you personal questions that you don't want to answer. But I always just think to myself, if I don't want to answer it, I don't have to. That's literally yeah, it. I had somebody no obligation. Exactly. I had somebody ask me the same question four times, I think it was, in DMs. And I hadn't answered it. It was a personal question. And I hadn't answered it the first time, the second time, the third time. And the fourth time it came, I was just like, I'm still not going to answer this question because, you know, I just don't have to. I think that We all should just bear that in mind when it comes to business. It doesn't mean just because you're on social media and you share parts of your life does not mean that everyone gets access to all of your life. And also, I think that it's a mistake to believe that others who are on Instagram are also showing their whole life because I don't Mm -hmm. think anybody does. Honestly, nobody does. It's impossible to show Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you think about who you are to all the different people in your life and how you show up differently, depending on who it is you're talking to. There are so many different facets of who you are that you couldn't possibly share that on social media. It's physically impossible. So, yeah, nobody is showing up truly as themselves because nobody can, because who they are depends on the day and whether or not you had enough coffee today and who you're talking to and did you step on Lego when you got out of bed this morning because I don't know about you but that puts me in a really bad mood you know there's there's so many things so just yeah determine what's off limits and there's no there's no shame or there's nothing wrong with turning around to somebody saying I'm not going to answer that question that's private um, and that's not up for conversation with people who aren't part of my family yeah you can literally say that to somebody or put it in your own words, but you can say that you can shut those conversations down as soon as they happen and make it very clear that you're not going to. And if they persist, 
then you can say, I've already told you I'm not going to answer that question. And if they persist, you say, if you keep persisting, I'm going to have to block you on social media because this topic of conversation is off limits. Yeah. Again, you know, those boundaries and uphold them because if you don't, nobody else will. Yeah. And boundaries, I think that boundaries is such an interesting topic because I think so many women find it awkward and almost wrong to have boundaries. And I do think that nowadays we're waking up to, we're all having this wake up call where we realize that having boundaries is, is okay. And now it's just navigating how we assert them. I think that like many of us have yeah. tried to assert a boundary and it's come across as like way too stern and and perhaps rude. And then sometimes we've like not asserted a boundary when we should have, and then it just made us feel bad. Um, so I do think that yeah, it can be it can be like a fine line to walk at times, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't try because at the end of the day, boundaries protect you. They're not there to, they're not there to like horribly keep people out. They're just there to protect you. And that's okay. You owe that to yourself in your business and in your personal mm-hmm. life. You are responsible for you. So make sure that you're just, you know, protecting the the areas of your life that you don't want to share online. And if that is your kids or, you know, your partner whatever it is that's totally fine you don't have to feel pressured by anyone online to to show certain aspects of yourself yeah and you can only control how you react you can't Mm -hmm. control how anybody else reacts so just just be aware of that you know you could say things in the nicest possible way but if somebody's having a bad day they're going to take it badly and they're going to react badly and again that's no reflection on you that's them not controlling how they react properly so you know it's it's not about you (laughs) at the end of the day it's not it's not about you it's about them and you have to do what you need to do to protect yourself just like Nisha was saying yeah absolutely and we have got um I think it's Yasmin from Robles Design Studio last question here and she says is there a point in life where you feel legit confident yes and no so again it comes back to what I was saying at the beginning about competency and confidence so you will start to feel more confident in areas where you didn't before and that's great but then there's always going to be new things that are coming in that you're not going to feel confident about because you don't have the experience or the competency to be able to navigate it in a way that makes you feel good but again it's that learning curve of you learn how to do that you grow your confidence and then you feel confident in that area. And then the next thing comes up. So it's it's a constantly moving goalpost, I think. So yes and no. Yes. I think that's the perfect answer to end this episode on. Thank you so much, Tors, for having this conversation and coming on the podcast. I honestly think that this is going to be one of the most helpful interviews. I think it's packed with so much good stuff. So thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. I had a really good time. Hey friend, thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss future episodes. And if you're feeling extra motivated by what was discussed today, I would seriously appreciate it if you'd open up the Apple Podcast app on your phone and leave a super quick review. Honestly, your reviews tell iTunes that this podcast is worth listening to. 
and iTunes then gets this show in front of more solopreneurs so they can get the help they need to bring more inner calm to their business. Okay, that's it from me today. Thank you for listening and I will speak to you soon.